1: So I want to dive into the mailbag, and we've got some stuff starred. You can go ahead and throw that in there. Ryan will be able to star those, and, and we can get to those here uh, as we go through it, but just want to get to your you all's comments and questions. We're going to begin with Irish Blood. It has a couple hot takes. He says, bold claim, the wide receivers will have more touchdowns this week than May- Michael Mayer will. Now, I guess I would be excited about that if you would tell me that you know that Michael Mayer is at least going to get one touchdown because if he gets one and the receivers have more, then that's at least three passing touchdowns. I would say that's probably a good sign for Notre Dame, unless they happen to be you know garbage touchdowns late. But if if that happens, that would be a I think in a, a game that I expect to be competitive, I think that'd be a very good sign, a very good sign for Notre Dame. It's hot take number two: Is Logan Diggs has more rushing yards than Audric Estime? I mean, I wouldn't really call that a hot take. I mean, they're they're sort of one a one b right now, right? As the as the primary runners, Logan had more yards two weeks ago, even before Audric went down. Audrick's had more yards at other times. So, I mean, I, I think it's kind of a back and forth type deal. I don't think it's a situation where you're going to have one guy is the lead back. They're going to ride the hot guy, and if Logan digs is the hot guy then you'll see it. I I would actually kind of lean a little bit more towards Audrick this week, just because of the physicality that Stanford brings or (laughs) Clemson brings that you may want that bigger back. But then the counter argument is, look, they're going to be condensed the box. You want the guy that can bounce things a little bit more effectively. And Logan is certainly, certainly
0: good at doing that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all
2: That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.
1: I did want to go down to this. I just saw this down here. And this is from We Are Not Marshall. He says, could you use some prayers for my wife and I? Her father was flown to Albany Medical Center last night. He is battling pneumonia and kidney failure. We're headed there now. That, headed, we're headed that way now. Thank you. Um, you absolutely have it, buddy. There's no question about it. I'll ask everybody in this chat that believes in the power of prayer, as I do, uh, to please keep uh, We Are Not Marshall and his family, uh, especially his, his father-in-law, in your prayers. Absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that with us. Uh, keep us posted on how things go, for sure. Let's get to this next question from D Troll Hunter. All right, mailbag didn't get to yesterday questions. The hard-hitting stuff, Christmas decorations okay before or only after Thanksgiving? Obviously, this is a personal preference thing. For me, I am not a fan of Christmas stuff being up until after Thanksgiving. I like a house that's got a lot of fall looking stuff. Uh, It's got, you know, I mean, I don't do Halloween. We don't do like the webs and the scary stuff, but what we do is we do fall stuff. So once it gets, once the leaves start changing colors, we put our fall decorations up, which are kind of Thanksgiving-ish. And then we just kind of have that through Thanksgiving. And it's really not until, you know, that weekend after Thanksgiving, after we've kind of gotten through all the leftovers that we'll put the Christmas stuff up. So I know some people put Christmas stuff up in October. Uh, I, you know, some people do it. Hey, November, Halloween's over. You do it now. I'm personally, I'm just not a Christmas decorations for me are not okay until after, until after Thanksgiving. USMA 87. I feel like Clemson is gettable, which Notre Dame shows up, right? I mean, that's the question, right? I mean, that's, that's the thing where we're at within this game is this is not, again, Clemson was gettable for Notre Dame two years ago. They just didn't play as well and didn't execute early in the game when they were moving the ball. I mean, Notre Dame's first three possessions went into Clemson territory. They had a missed field goal, a made field goal, and I believe a turnover on downs on another one. So, yeah, I mean, this is certainly a game that's gettable for Notre Dame. Clemson is a very good football team. They're not a vintage 2018, 2016, 2015 Clemson team. They remind me a lot more of the 2017 team. Uh, just because they don't have that dynamic quarterback, and so I think that's uh, where I kind of where I kind of come down on it. They're certainly gettable. Notre Dame's gonna have to play well though, right? Like they're they're gonna have to play better than they did last week, in my opinion, especially in the past game. So you have to limit the big plays a little bit, but then make some. You're gonna have to make some plays in the past game. If Notre Dame can do that, then yeah, they got a shot to win this game. There's no, I mean, look, I there's no reason for me to think Notre Dame shouldn't win this game. I mean, if I'm being honest, if they play their game. This is not a game where, and we talked about this last night, this is not a game where Notre Dame has to play out of their minds to beat Clemson, where everything just goes perfect. They have to play well, just like Clemson has to play well to beat Notre Dame. Uh, if you don't bring your A game, you're going to lose. And that's true for both teams. This game is much more evenly matched than people think. And we'll dive a lot more into that tomorrow. Detro Hunter also asks, do, do you believe, so you believe our smaller defensive line players can give Clemson trouble like Syracuse did? Uh, I would hope that Notre Dame's defensive line plays better than Syracuse's defensive line. I think Notre Dame has a significantly better defensive line than Syracuse. I think that Clemson leaned on Syracuse. Look, clemsons if, if it wasn't for all the turnovers, I, th- I don't think that game is quite as close as the score determined. I mean, Clemson had, I think, three turn- turnovers in that game and still won by seven. It's not often you can turn the ball over three times in a game and beat a ranked opponent. And that's what they did because they just leaned on that small Syracuse offensive line. Now, what I would say is it's more like what the Notre Dame offensive defensive line did last week against Syracuse because we talked about Clemson's offensive line, right? I'm going to give you the size again. 6'2", 305, 6'5", 325, 6'4", 315, 6'5, 315, 6'6, 315, across the board. It's a big offensive line. Here's what Syracuse was last week. 6'5-322, 6'6, 375, 6-4, 6-6, and six five three thirty five. So Syracuse had a much bigger offensive line than Clemson. I think Clemson's offensive line is a touch more athletic than Syracuse. Ryan, I'm not sure. Ryan's down there. I'm not sure if you agree with that, Ryan. Uh, that I think Clemson has a, a slightly more athletic across the board. Clemson doesn't have anybody as or Syracuse doesn't have anybody as athletic, Ryan agrees. They don't have anybody as athletic as Matt Bergeron. But I think after that, the rest of their guys kind of spot for spot. They're more athletic than what the Syracuse guys are. But they're not quite as big. And they're not so athletic that all of a sudden they are going to give Notre Dame's guys problems. So I think it's similar to last week. I think the key for the Notre Dame defensive line is to be fast and physical. Get up in their chest, win with leverage, beat them into gaps, and be disruptive. The thing about last week, like there were several runs last week where Sean Tucker ran a ball where he would make a cut and get 3 4 yards past the the off the defensive line before the linebackers would tackle him and then you'd look at it and it was like a 1 yard gain or a 0 yard gain because they were forcing him to make cuts so far behind the line that when the linebackers were cleaning up it was minimal gains and sometimes even losses one of the issues that Notre Dame has had and and I'm trying to remember what the specific numbers were I put it in my my key takeaways article so I'm going to try to pull that up as I'm explaining this But one of the issues that Notre Dame has had this year is they've been very good at pass rushing. They and I found it. They ranked sixth coming into the Syracuse game, they ranked 16th nationally in sacks. But they only ranked 51st in tackles per loss for loss. Now, the thing to understand about how that number is is attributed. So tackles for loss include run stops behind the line of scrimmage, but also sacks. It's any play where you bring the team down. So you want to try to, and ideally, you want to try to be similar in tackles for loss and sacks and that hasn't been the case for Notre Dame in the last couple of years and we've talked about this before we talked about how last year when you looked at Oklahoma state Oklahoma state was a team that was ranked very high in tackles for loss and they were a team that was ranked very high in sacks and and you know this year it's 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 you 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 want to kind of be in a similar situation so when you look at tackles for loss per game per game for example you know, Clemson ranks seventh in tackles for loss this year, the Clemson's defense, but they rank 29th in sacks. That tells me that they're making a lot more run be, run game stops behind the line. Notre Dame is the opposite. They were they were 16th in sacks and 51st in, in run stops. Well, again, Syracuse, one of the, the positives from that game was is Notre Dame doubled up their sack totals with stops behind the line. So I mean their tackle for loss numbers. They had four sacks but they had eight tackles for loss, which tells me they got more stops behind the line than they've gotten in recent games, which is where you want to be. Whereas last year, that's, that's not where Notre Dame was. And so, and they weren't coming into this game because we saw a similar situation last year. So last year, Notre Dame averaged ranked 12th in the country in sacks per game, Oklahoma state ranked first. And then, but Notre Dame ranked, uh, let's see here, let's pull this up. They ranked 51st, Last year as well in tackles for loss, whereas Oklahoma State ranked first in tackles for loss as well. So Oklahoma State had 56 sacks, but they had 117 tackles for loss, which means they more than doubled up their sack total. Notre Dame, however, when you look at last year, had 41 sacks last year, but only had 81 tackles for loss, right? So it just wasn't quite the same, the same ratio that you that you kind of want that you want to look for. So I think that's kind of where you want to be. You need to be more disruptive in the run game, and Notre Dame has not been disruptive enough in the run game. They were last week. They've got to be that way against Clemson. That's got to continue. Quickness, penetration, pushing those those blockers back, and the way you beat it, the way you push back a guy that's bigger than you, get up under his pads, get him on his heels, and that's how you can have success. And we saw Gabriel Rubio doing that. We saw Chris Smith doing that. We saw Jason Adamiola doing that. So Howard Kraus using his speed to beat guys off the line. It's going to be similar this week. Dietro Hunter says another question: What defense? What non-defensive lineman from Clems- Clemson concerns you uh, the most on defense? It's the linebackers primarily. Trenton Simpson. I mean that's a that's a talented group of of, of defensive backs. They really are. I really like their linebacker core. We talked about them coming in the season. We love Trenton Simpson. Now, he's an excellent player. Very athletic. Very explosive kid he comes into the game as their leading tackler with 46 tackles. Uh, he hasn't been as disruptive this year uh, as I expected him to be from a tackles for loss standpoint. I thought he'd be a guy that, you know, could be more of a a 10 tackle per law, 10 tackle for loss guy this season. Uh coming into this game, um he's not he just he's not he hasn't been that guy. He's only got a half a tackle for loss this year. That surprises me a little bit. But here's the thing. You know he's athletic. You know he's going to be flying around and you can't let him go off. You look at the other linebackers. Jeremiah Trotter's got four and a half tackles for loss. Barrett Carter's got four. Uh, Barrett Carter's a kid that I think that in their base defense, you're going to see him trigger a lot as, you know, Brink coming off the edge. He'll do a lot of those type of things. That's something their that name's going to have to have a plan for. He's got four tackles for loss and, and two sacks. So, um, I don't, I'm not as concerned about Jeremiah Trotter. That's just do your job and, and effectively get to him. He's a good football player, but he's not a guy that should present bad, bad matchups. It's Trenton Simpson, number one, and then Barrett Carter, number two. Those are the two guys that I'm most concerned about, other than the defensive lineman. Let's get to the next question from USMA. How much of the run game challenges are due to O-line spacing? Notre Dame O-line looks really tightly spaced. Run game has been better late, but could spacing help? I guess I'm going to have to disagree with the premise of your question. I don't think that the offensive line has had challenges for a while. I mean, we're talking about a team that you say better of late. They This is a team that's been rushed for at least 223 yards in four of their last five games. They've already gone over 200 yards more this year than they did last year. Uh, so I, don't, I wouldn't say that I, I think they have run game challenges. The spacing is due to the scheme that they employ. Uh, they run a lot of duo. They'll run some inside zone, and that requires a little bit tighter splits. That's just kind of the nature of it. Um, I, I don't think spacing helps a ton on that because then you create more run lanes for guys to run through. But that's also why Notre Dame does so much with their tight ends on the edge to try to, you know, if you're going to have tighter splits, having that that tight end on the edge sort of wides the edge of the line of scrimmage. It creates an additional gap that defenses have to, to plan for, uh, and that helps protect a little bit of that. Now, I mean, you could say, hey, look the the spacing could be a little bit wider. I think it should be wider, but that's also because I think you should be running more inside zone. I think inside zone pro- provides you to have a little bit more width between, you don't have ton of spacing on inside zone because you're working on combo blocks. Uh, and that's really kind of what, what it comes down to is you're working double teams. And the further you are, the harder it is for you to handle double teams. And so that's a big part of what Notre Dame does. They're a combo block team like crazy. And so the tighter the splits, the easier it is to kind of have those, those type of blocks and make those type of blocks. Stephen Robert asks, how does the O-line stack up against the middle of Clemson's defense? We'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow, Robert, uh, but that's going to be the battle, right? I think, I think the tackles can, can, I would say win the battle, but at least hold their own against the really talented Syracuse ends. It's going to be, can the inside guys handle it? And obviously Jarrett Patterson, you expect it to play well, but, you know, can Zeke Carell play well against Tyler Davis? And when he's matched up against Brian Bursik, can he handle that? You know, can Josh Lug have a game against these teams? You know, like, look, Zeke and Josh, to me, played really well last week against Syracuse. And and as I, you know, I just I really liked how they played. I thought it was the best game that Josh Lug's played all year. It was one of Zeke Carell's better games of the season. And Zeke's played really well the last month of the season. So if they continue playing like they, they can, then they can hold their own, and I think that's going to be a big key. I don't see Notre Dame just dominating Clemson's defensive line. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to do to Clemson what they did to UNLV and, and to Syracuse. Those, those are different animals, just completely different, undersized teams that you couldn't really push around. So ultimately this game is going to come down to Notre Dame's going to have to make some plays on the perimeter. They're not going to be able to come into this game and just – Line up and bully Clemson the way that they did other teams. They're going to have to have some scheme stuff to keep Clemson honest. They're going to have to throw the football down the field. Yes, Notre Dame's got a really good offensive line that's playing at a very high level, but Clemson also has a really good defensive line, and you're just not going to bully them. You're, you're just not. You're going to have to execute at a high level, but you're going to have to make plays to keep them honest. And if Notre Dame tries to just regurgitate the game plan from BYU and the game plan from You know, UNLV and the game plan from – especially from Syracuse where you're just kind of lining up in Stanford same way. Just kind of lining up, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, and just thinking you're going to bully Clemson. I just don't think it's going to happen. And, you know, so they're going to have to have a little bit more creativity and diversity from how they attack Clemson in this game. 99 problems with BK1. Do we think that Ole Miss can beat Alabama? Can they beat Alabama? Of course. Will they beat Alabama? Only if their defense plays a lot better. Now this is not a a typical Ole Miss team. Uh, they're not as explosive in the past game as they've been. Uh, they're a team that's really good at running the football. They got a very young quarterback, and they're they're protecting him to a, to a degree. You know, they went from having a guy that was a multi year starter last year, and 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 Matt Carell, who I didn't even think played necessarily great last year, uh, to now Jackson Dart. Jackson's been a solid player, but he turns the ball over a little too much. Uh, he is a big play guy down in the field, but they just don't – they don't use him as much. They've been a team that really dominates with the ground game. They're averaging 267.2 yards per game. Freshman Quinshawn-Junkins, who Notre Dame offered last year, is already over 1,000 yards with 13 touchdowns. Zach Evans is at 680 yards with seven touchdowns. And then Jackson Dart has 473 yards. So they're a team that likes to run the ball. They can be a big play team on the perimeter – uh, I, I thought they did a nice job of battling back against AM this past weekend. AM jumped on them 14-7 and then Ole Miss outplayed them the rest of the game. But the problem is their defense is just not good. The reason their defense looked better last week is because I mean, just their offense, the AM offense is just awful at this point in time. So I don't think that was necessarily an improvement. And it's look, this is the reason why that that I predicted LSU to beat Ole Miss. Because I had no faith that Ole Miss's defense was going to be able to stop a, a decent offense. And that's exactly what happened. You know, they gave up 45 points to LSU, 34 to Auburn, 28 to Vanderbilt, and they got ripped up by AJ Swan. They gave up 27 to Tulsa, gave up uh, 262 rushing yards to Tulsa, 301 to Auburn, 252 to LSU. Uh, they kept that AM in check because AM started a freshman quarterback and just isn't a very good offense. Bama will be a much better offense. They will be a much better test for Ole Miss, so they will have to play a lot better. Uh, But, of course, they get a bye week to to prepare for that because Alabama plays LSU this weekend while Ole Miss is going to be home resting up and uh, trying to put together a game plan. Milton fan what is the best way to utilize Drew Pine? What are the things he should be asked to do if utilized correctly? What is he capable of? Well, look, if he's used correctly, I think he's capable of being the guy that we saw against North Carolina and BYU. You know, a guy that that can really hurt you in the short to intermediate game that occasionally, if given a one-on-one outside, can hurt you. I think, number one, uh, one thing Drew's going to have to get better at is Drew's got to learn to put a little bit more touch on his downfield throws. You know, he did a great job of that on the second pass to Tobias Merriweather for a touchdown. He did a great job of that on the touchdown to, to – uh, or the, the big play to Jaden Thomas gets you on LV. But far too often, he puts that ball up. I mean, it'll get trajectory, but it gets up there with weight. Too much speed because he's trying to muscle it up. Gets up there way too fast. It gets down too fast. They've missed probably whew, uh, three or four potential shots at big plays just because he's getting the ball up too quick. Even the the, the seam to Matt Salerno, if he just lets the, if he just kind of gets that ball out there a little bit, lets Salerno run underneath it, he might have had a shot at it. If he throws the ball earlier to Tobias and just puts it out over top and lets Tobias go get it, that's a touchdown. So that's something he's gonna have to do better. Uh, and you're going to have to take some shots. I mean, that's the reality. You're going to have to take some shots against Clemson. You're going to have to attack down the field, let him take one-on-ones. And it's not a read. It's Drew. When we get cover one with press corners and you've got Dion or Tobias or Lindsey or you know somebody like that on the field, we've got to take that shot, especially with the big guys. We've got to take that shot. That's certainly one step. Step two is you've got to do more with the RPO game. Now, one thing that's going to help that is you're going to have to widen the splits out a little bit. You're going to have to do some things where it's not always perimeter RPOs, but you know some stuff that kind of like we saw, like we we broke down from Clemson. The play action game is also going to have to be better. I want to see them move the pocket as we've seen. Drew throws pretty well on the run. He had a really nice ball run into his you know, moving to his left against uh, Syracuse, where he they jumped the tight end, so he kind of throws a, a you know flips his hips, gets the ball back to Deion Coles on a really nice throw uh, for a big play. So I thought he did a really nice job there. I think doing things where he's not always sitting right in the pocket. It is much easier for a defense to go after a quarterback when you know where he's always going to be. And they'll do the occasional bootleg, but I really think they need to move the pocket more. I think what those things do also, it limits your read. You've got a one-two run read. I think there needs to be more play action stuff where Drew doesn't have to think about where he's going with the ball. You know where you're going with the football. When you're in your 12 and 13 personnel you can absolutely manipulate Clemson into getting into single high coverage, which means you can absolutely manipulate yourself into some one-on-ones down the field. Don't let Drew read it. Just say, dude, when we get in this look, I'm going to make this call. And when I make that call, you're throwing it here. Have Michael Mayer come right off the ball and run right at that middle safety. Just Mayer run right at that dude. That's going to keep that safety on, on on Mayer. And then you just, Drew, hit the top of your drop and then just let it go. Just throw it as far as you can throw it. Let those kids run underneath it. And I think those are things you need to do. Uh, but, you know, and the, the the final thing for me, if the running backs are not a bigger part of the pass game this week, I'm going to lose it. I'm just going to absolutely lose it because that is when Drew was comfortable, when you had different things out of your 21 personnel. You know, 21 personnel needs to be an absolute big part of what they do this weekend. And, and using Chris Tyree more in the screen game, we have a question down here. Uh, from Jay Henry that kind of goes along with this question from Milton, Milton fan, or how would you use Chris Tyree in this game? Clemson's athleticism has athleticism to stay with him. Yeah, sure. But they're going to have to focus on him. If you use him correctly, you haven't had to worry about using athleticism to stop him because he's been right up the middle. You know, you saw the one time they got him on the perimeter last week was on a swing route. He catches it and runs for you know 10 yards on the second and long and gets him into a third and, third and short situation so do more stuff like that run him on perimeter stuff with the swings with wheels different things like that where then with Clemson running with him you know send him on a swing Cle- you know Barrett Carter maybe goes flying out with him and then you just throw a little dip little dip screen right behind it little slip screen right behind it uh, to your running back you know do things where you then use him uh, you know to get outside the Clemson linebackers move to him and then you do some inside inside run stuff, or have him motion across. You know, let's say you go twenty two personnel, put him out to the two tight end side, have him go motion across real fast, and then you can run sweep away. Or you know, if they overplay the two tight end side, then you can run him on. You know, go in motion, throw him a bubble screen, throw him a jet sweep. There's a lot of stuff they can do if they just want to be creative with it. the re- The reality is, Tommy Reese is not made. Chris Tyree a priority, Jay, and that and, and that's the the problem. And this is a game where he has to be a priority because it's not that even he is going to, to make a ton of plays, but if he can make some plays, I mean, and this is a kid that ran for 20-yard touchdown the first time, the only time he's ever touched the ball against Clemson. He ran for a 20-plus-yard touchdown against their first-team defense. But if you can get him free for a couple plays, like we saw against Oklahoma State, like we, we saw against Cal, like we saw against North Carolina, and they have to worry about him. It's not even about him taking the game over. It's about him creating more running room and more room to work for the other players on offense. That's the key. And if you don't make that a priority, then you're not. Then you lose that weapon. And, the, and to me, that's the mistake that Notre Dame has made so far. But they, you know, last week was good. They got Tobias and Dion in the game together. It's something I've been asking them to do. you know, calling for. So maybe they'll finally build this part back into it as well. D Rock Irish says, "In my opinion, Shipley is the X factor. He beats you with his hard running and catching pass out of the backfield. He camouflages Clemson's offensive flaws. Etienne, et, 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 Travis Etienne did that too. We needed we need to put a spy on Shipley. I'm not putting a spy on Shipley. I'm I'm not because then they can they're they're smart coaches. They're going to see that and then they're going to utilize it. All you have to do is be disciplined. Look, no matter what you call, somebody is going to have to account for the running back." as part of your base calls you don't need to spy someone because if i'm an offensive coordinator and i know you're spying him with this guy then i'm going to use that to my advantage i'm going to move him i'm going to send him on routes where i'm trying to free somebody else up make your calls and execute your calls there's not a single call that no name is going to run this week where the running back is not accounted for by somebody you just have to be prepared for it and will shipley's a heck of a player Is he any better than Sean Tucker? Ryan, do you think Will Shipley right now is a better player than Ryan Tucker? I don't. And they kept him in check. Why? Because they dominated the point of attack and they were disciplined with how they defended him in the past game. Wherever the coverage was, if he comes into your zone, you got to see it and you got to attack it. I mean, Notre Dame twice last week ran with Isaiah Foskey. Ryan looks at me, and because Ryan and I were at the game, he's like, dude, Isaiah Foskey just ran with Sean Tucker on a wheel route. And then Syracuse saw that and they said, hey, they're trying to put Foskey on Sean Tucker. And they went right back to it the next play. And Foskey ran with him again and was hip to hip with him again. Nick, you've got some athletic cats, right? And so I think that's a, it's a thing where just be disciplined, right? When this defense is disciplined, they shut down Ohio State. They shut down North Carolina. They shut down every team they've played. They shut down Syracuse. They've literally shut down every team they've played. They've already played two offenses that are significantly better than Clemson. They held them to 21 points, and then the other team had 14 points. Well, I'd say I'd give them 21, 20 points. I think that Clemson had 20 points, or North Carolina had 20 points, because they scored a touchdown when it was 38-14. It was kind of still somewhat in doubt at that point in time. But they shut down North Carolina for most of that game. They shut down Ohio State for most of that game. This is not a better D offense than either of those teams. But when they've gotten in trouble, like we saw against Syracuse, like we saw against Clint, like we saw against uh, Stanford, like we saw against Marshall, like we saw late against Ohio State, or I mean early against Ohio State when they gave up a couple early big plays, is when you don't execute your call. That's when Notre Dame gets hurt. If you execute when Notre Dame executes eleven on eleven, nobody's moved the ball on this year. Nobody, not Ohio State, not North Carolina, nobody. It's about doing your job. And, and I thought Coach Freeman said that perfectly yesterday. It's about the, the the goal for this team is everybody do your job every single play, and that's all you got to do. They don't need Isaiah Foskey to be Hercules on Saturday. They don't need Cam Hart to look like a first-round corner. Just do your job. Play your game and do your job. Clemson's going to make some plays. They will. But they're not going to make enough to beat you if if everybody does your job on both sides of the ball, in my opinion. If you don't and you give up the mistakes and you make the mental mistakes, D-Rock, then that's when Will Shipley hurts you. When your linebacker gets caught peeking in the backfield and then Will Shipley runs around him, it's not because you didn't have a spy on him. It's because the guy that was supposed to cover him did not do his job. If they do that, they'll be okay. They'll be able to keep Clemson down. This isn't a great Clemson offense. It's a good Clemson offense. That's going to be the key. But ultimately, you just got to pressure the quarterback. Don't let DJ get comfortable. And for all the – Panic about I've had people so say Notre Dame can't beat this team with the quarterback that they have. I want to be like, well, I, I get what you're saying, but have you have you have you seen Clemson's quarterback play this year? This is not a team that's had great quarterback play. I mean, say what you want about Drew Pine, and he has not played well the last couple games. Drew Pine's got a passer rating of 143.7, he's averaging 7.2 yards per play, uh, and he's completing 61.8 percent of his passes. DJ is that is only averaging 7.7 7 yards per attempt. He's got a pass rating of 148.7, and he's completing 68.38 68 63.8% of his passes. Cade Klubnik, when he's come in, he's completing sub 50% of his passes. He's he's only nine of 19 on the season, 47.4%, 85 yards, 4.5 per attempt, and he's got a touchdown he threw against Georgia Tech. So their quarterback play hasn't lit the world on fire either. And so to me, it's which team's quarterback can make the most plays is ultimately what this game is going to come down to. The element that Clemson has in their name does not, however, is DJ can make plays with his legs a little bit more frequently, although we've seen Drew Pine be able to do some of that a little bit as well. I think that's been an underrated aspect of what he's done this year so far. Irish blooded with another uh, question. If they are going to run a lot of RPO, can we send a copy of the tape to Tommy for him to see what RPO (laughs) looks like for later games? believe me Irish blooded I love the comment by the way but Tommy Reese sees teams run Rpos every week because when you prepare for the other team's defense you're watching what the offense does and almost everyone in college football runs Rpos so uh yes I I, I hope that he sees them I hope he sees them Milton fan 15 anyone know any Dion um, why Deion calls Colsey just started getting real reps I believe that was I, I'm not going to guess on that one. I, I just know that they had been working on – it's very similar to Tobias' situation. He was injured uh, – you know, I do say injured. He was limited in fall camp because of injuries. He did miss a couple weeks in fall camp. They had worked him back. He was healthy. He was getting reps, and they would use reps during the week, and he would get reps and with the first-team offense, and they'd have packages for him like they had for Tobias. When they get to Saturday, just wouldn't use him. So he's finally just using what, you ha- well, using what you're practicing. You know, you're, you're, you spend the time on these, these packages, then use them. And I think that's really what it boiled down to. And I was glad to see him finally play. He played a little bit against UNLV, but it was good to see him play because he's a weapon. He's a good football player. And you start using him more than it makes takes the pressure off of Lorenzo Styles and, and Tobias Merriweather and those other players, and it makes him a better football team. Jay Henry asks, will Miles Murphy line up against Fisher or Alt, or do they move him around? He'll play both sides. Uh, is is what I've noticed. I believe they go strong and weak. I'll, I actually have to dive into that a little bit more here, but I believe that they play him strong and weak. Um, so I'll have to I'll have to ask that one. You know, you know, they may play right or left. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. Uh, the, the The cutups that I have is he's he's all always playing right. Uh, so actually, Ryan just stepped out. I'll ask him. Hey, Ryan, quick question for you. Does Mount Mount, did Clemson go? Uh, uh, Right and left with their ends, or do they go strong and weak? they go right, left? So I think, yeah, so Ryan said they go right, left. Now that I think about it, yes. So uh, Murphy will be lined up against Joe Walt most of the game uh, based on that look. So that's going to make for a uh, really interesting matchup, that's for sure. Very interesting matchup. Very good question, Jay. Now that puts Blake Fisher on the smaller, quicker guys, which is going to also make for an interesting matchup. We are happily independent. Why don't we do the three-one lineup? Put Mayor at the bottom, then Braden and Jaden, and one uh, on top uh, to be Tobias. They actually do do that. They do that. Um, they lined up that that way against UNLV. They lined up that way against Syracuse. They're just not throwing Mayor the ball in the backside. I, I would. I don't know why. i if I get mayor backside, there's been several times this year in the red zone, also, where I've said just throw a fade to mayor. I mean, it's a one-on-one, just give him a chance to go make a play, and they just refuse to do it. I, I don't understand why. It's uh it's a little puzzling. There's no no question. Beef eater with a question how come Jaden Thomas is not listed on the depth chart as a tight end? Greg McElroy seems to think he was a tight end. Um, that's because Greg McElroy apparently doesn't do his homework. And and as I would say again, even if you count Jaden Thomas as a tight end. He still got that personnel call wrong because you had two running backs in the game. You can't have fourteen personnel if you have two running backs in the game. But it's an Alabama grad for you. Beef eater also asks: Is a hot dog a sandwich? If not, what is it? Also, do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? Uh, yes, a hot dog is a sandwich. It has meat and it has a bun, so it is a sandwich for me. That is there. There are types of sandwiches you can have that don't have meat in it, obviously. But if you have meat and you have a bun, I believe that's a sandwich. So, yes, I do believe that's a sandwich. Is Thy Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah. I mean, they have. He's got ho, ho, ho on, on the tape that he uses at the end to pull it out. The whole thing is built around a Christmas party. Yes, it's at Christmas. Yes, it is a Christmas party. Ryan is shaking his head or a Christmas movie. Ryan is shaking his head. No, it is definitely a Christmas movie. Of course it's a Christmas movie. It's an action Christmas movie. It's not your typical Christmas movie, but it is. Jay Montalbano, Brian, what is your biggest fear about the Clemson game? It's that, no, that, that no, here's my biggest fear, that Notre Dame looks at the Syracuse game and says, we're going to do that same thing again against Clemson. We're going to go 12 and 13 personnel, and we're just going to run it right up the A-gaps the whole game and, and win. Um, if they do that, that, that's my biggest fear. I don't think they can win the game that way, unless the defense just makes some crazy plays. Jim Halloran says, "Can Notre Dame score with Clemson? Yeah, they can. Look, I'm gonna keep telling y'all this is not a great Clemson team. It's not. This is not a great Clemson. This is not a great Clemson offense. It really isn't. Uh, you know, you look at them this year, and and you know, if they're a 20 to 30 something point team. In my opinion, they're not a team that consistently, in my opinion, puts up a lot of points. Uh, I just, I just don't, I don't." fear them the way that i have in the past could they score over 30 in this game yeah if no name's offense doesn't play well and the defense gives up a lot of big plays but i just don't i just don't um i just don't see it tj fallon you got you got some jokes now who are we playing thank you for the superset tj tj i've heard three different teams uh they're playing clemson you know i got a lot of teams on my mind i got film over here i got film over there i'm dealing with connection problems with my my co-host i got all stuff going on i'm sorry that I misspoke. I apologize, but clearly they're p- playing the number five Clemson team. 99 props became one. Brian, what do you think about the comments made by a Syracuse coach that Notre Dame is basically playing an Academy type offense? That's not what he was saying. That's not what he was saying. You guys are taking that. And what he's saying is what do those teams do? They run the football and they control the clock and they control the line of scrimmage. That's what he was saying. and And that's what they do. I mean, okay. They still couldn't stop it. I don't think that was an insult. Sometimes I think people look for comments and they put their own feelings onto a comment. It's kind of like people that took that listen to Marcus Freeman talk about Brian Mason yesterday and said, "Oh, that's a shot at Tommy Reese." No, it wasn't. It was a it was a praise of Brian Mason. And same thing here. He's saying they're basically they're like those teams. What do those teams do? They control the line of scrimmage. They run the football. The pass game is just a slight compliment to that. It's not an academy type of offense. It's not even close to academy type of offense because they're not running the beer. They're not running a triple option. They're not doing any of that stuff. They're a power running team that is just not throwing the ball effectively right now. Right now. Now, a month ago, they were more balanced. I mean, that I mean, we kind of joked about how in Drew Pine's first road start, they literally had 289 rushing yards and 289 passing yards until they took a knee at the end of the game, which took two yards away and left him at 287. Uh, they were over 200 in both against BYU. They're going through a rough a rough patch. It's up to Tommy Reese to figure out how to get Drew going. But he wasn't saying they run an academy type of offense. He was comparing them to what those teams do, which are heavy ball control power running teams or running teams. And that's what Notre Dame w- was doing against them. So I don't think it was an insult. I don't think he was saying it the way that you're taking it, in my opinion. Okay, let's go here. Archer says if Ohio State doesn't hang up 60 plus this weekend, is it a failure? I will put 30 points and 400 yards on Northwestern last week. Look, let me tell you something. That is one of the worst teams in college football right now, Northwestern. They're really bad. But, you know, 60 plus, that's a lot of points. There's two things I look at. I think, number one, Sarah, Northwestern is kind of – say they kind of quit. You know, they gave up 42 – I don't say they quit, but, like, there's 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 no confidence on the side of the ball. They gave up 42 points to Wisconsin. They gave up 31 to Maryland and 33 to Iowa. You know, can Ohio State score 60? Sure. But I, I don't know if Ohio – Ohio State's really good on offense, but they're not the – They're not the insane juggernaut that they've been in the past. I mean, you take the Toledo game out. I mean, they're consistently 40-50, 40-50, 40-50 against everybody at Notre Dame. You know, I I think that's probably more consistent. I don't think Ryan Day has any interest in necessarily running up the score on Northwestern, although I would because I don't like Pat Fitzgerald. But, you know, I um, I don't know. I don't know if he'll want to do that. I mean, are they capable of it? Sure. But he just he does he doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that's this year with this offense. I think if they get that kind of lead, they'll just kind of run it at Northwestern. So is it a failure? No. If you score over 40 points and win by over 30, that's not a failure. It's a a good win. If I'm Ohio State with what I got coming up to, I I'm sorry. I'm I've got I got Maryland on the road. That's not going to be a cakewalk game. Maryland's a quality football team this year. They're six and two right now they they gave Michigan a game in my opinion you know and and, and battled in their other loss as well so uh, that's no cakewalk game on the road and then that's right before Michigan you're coming off of a hard-fought game against Penn State now Iowa wasn't a hard-fought game from the standpoint it was never close but I was a physical defense if I'm Ohio State and I'm up 35 to 7 in the third quarter I'm pulling my starters and letting my young kids get some work and, you know, you'll still score on them, but I think that probably stop you from getting a 60. At least that's what I would do. Uh, and let your guys rest for this last three-game stretch because Northwestern stinks. I, I think they're going to go 111. I really do. And here's the thing. If Scott Frost wasn't an idiot and didn't kick that onside kick at the beginning of that game, they might go 0-12. Because Northwestern had just gone up 20 – or uh, Nebraska had just gone up 28-17 on Northwestern. And then he does that dumb onside kick, Nebraska or Northwestern recovers it and goes downfield and scores, and then the, the game just completely changed there. But honestly, I think that they would probably go 0-12, and they're bad. They're really bad. And, and I enjoy it because I'm not a big – don't, I don't care much for Pat Fitzgerald. TJ Fallon with another super chat. Who is a first-round draft pick, Alt or Fisher, TJ? I don't think it's an either-or. I think it's a both-and. I think if they both play to their potential, they're both first-round draft picks. I, I, I think – you know, it's funny. is I would have said coming into the season, that there was a better chance that Blake Fisher leaves early than Joe Alt. But after the way that they've played this year, I would say there's a better chance that Joe Alt leaves early that earlier than Blake Fisher. Of course, that could always change. But I think both of those kids have first round talent. I, I do, I do, and I know that Ryan agrees because we've had this conversation before. Now. It's not easy getting in the first round. You've got to play to your potential, but both of those kids have it. Plus, they'll be coached by Harry Easton, which always gives you a little bit of a bump uh, when you look at how most NFL teams evaluate Harry Easton coached offensive linemen. Uh, Joel Easton says mailbag: If you are a, a coach, Washington or coach Golden, do the interior D line guys do a lot of slants cross the face of the O line, or do you trust them to go right after the O line? I think you've got to use movement to a degree. I don't. I don't. I'm not a. I'm not a big. I'm not a big fan of doing a lot of twists against Clemson because they're a zone team and, and they do some counter stuff. And if they catch you, and this happened to uh NC State, they caught NC State in a in a in a twist and they just washed it all inside and quarterback went out the gate. Uh so I'm not a big twist guy. I'm more of a slant slam guy, you know. So slanting your line hard, letting them shoot gaps, letting them get a vertical slant. See, that's the thing for me is is do you just slant because you're trying to go for width and free up linebackers? Are you trying to slant and try to get a vertical push and then slam it with a linebacker? That's what I like against this Clemson team Um, You know, is more of that. Now, the danger is if you're doing a lot of that where you're slamming your linebacker, then your safeties have to run fit off of that. And that's where that play I drew up earlier can be dangerous because then they pull that thing and throw it behind you. So you're going to have to be very disciplined on that. Or, uh, as well so we'll have to see how that how that plays out but uh, I would slant some but I think penetration is the key getting in their pads what I'm not doing is just coming off and just doing what they did early in the year which is kind of come off, and right in the middle of a guy just kind of gap contain I don't want to see that I want to see penetration I want to see getting up field and forcing the running back to make early cuts the further behind the line I've said this before you all know this Further behind the line, that you can make a running back make his cut, the less likely he's going to be able to have a big play. That's just the reality. There, there'll be there'll be some exceptions, like Sean Tucker making that early cut and then just taking that outside zone all the way at the backside. That's not going to happen a lot. You know, that's a rare thing. That was just a great read by that running back, and you just got to do a little bit better job of containing it. But they didn't do they, that. Didn't work the rest of the game. What Notre Dame did against Syracuse is they just outran him them to the into the backfield, and there was nothing Syracuse could do about it. Robert Bischoff says, if we pull off the upset, do we finally get back in the top 25? You know, Robert, we talked about this a little bit last night. I won't go- be completely stunned if Notre Dame is in the top 25 tonight of the college football playoff rankings. I broke that down last night. But if they beat Clemson, there's no question they're going to be back in the top 25. They'll most likely have three wins over top 25 teams by that point in time, assuming Syracuse wins this weekend at Pitt, which is not a given. But yeah, I'd be shocked if they're not in the top 25 with a win over a number five Clemson. And you'd be six and three. There's no question. There's no question. There's no way they're not in the top 25. And the thing is, they were right outside the top 25 in the AP and the coaches' polls. I think they were like 30th in the coaches' or AP and then like only a spot or two lower in the coaches' poll. You beat Clemson, you definitely jump into the top 25. Plus, there's like several games where there's ranked teams playing each other. You know, so if LSU loses to Bama, that's their third loss. And then NC State and Wake Forest both play. Uh, whoever loses that game will have a third loss, and they're already in the 20s. They would fall behind Notre Dame most likely if they beat Clemson because then that would give Notre Dame three wins over the three best teams in the ACC. So they would certainly deserve to be ranked in the top 25 at that point. John Leahy says, does Clemson have a guy who can cover Mayor one-on-one? Up. Uh, Sometimes. I mean, they're not going to consistently win that battle. No, no. I don't know if anybody has that. It it just one-on-one for an entire game. You're going to have some plays where you stop them, but more often than not, no, no, I don't think so. All right, here we go. Rob did off Brian. On Saturday, we needed two turnovers and a blocked punt to help generate 21 points. If the QB uh, play does not improve against Clemson, we need 20 points. Will we need 21 points in, in this fashion again to win? Um, Probably. I mean, that's kind of how you beat Clemson. That's what they did. Uh, here's a here's a thing that we don't talk enough about from the twenty twenty game. I had somebody say yesterday that Ian Book is the reason their they beat Clemson. And I'm like, no, Jeremiah Wusu is the reason that they beat Clemson. I mean, let's not forget it was 13 to 10. Clemson was coming back, and a Wusu comes off the edge, literally takes the ball away from Travis Etienne and runs it back for a touchdown. Make it 20 to 10. On the very next possession, he gets beat on the slant butt route by Amari Rodgers. He strips Amari Rodgers from behind. C- Clarence Lewis, I believe, is the guy that recovers it. And Notre Dame's offense lost yards on the following drive and still kicked the field goal. So a 13 to 10 game turns into a 23 to 10 game because of Jeremiah Wusu If he doesn't do that, Notre Dame does not win that game. Simple as that. I mean, let's not forget that no, the Notre Dame offense had a turnover late in the game. They had, t- I think, two red zone, huge red zone mistakes. Again, yeah, remember Michael Mayer had that big drop in the red zone against Clemson. Ian Book had a fumble in the red zone against Clemson. Uh, so yeah, I mean, but your defense stepped up and made plays. Yes, that's what you need to do. Clemson did that against Notre Dame in 2015. You know the the win that they had. They had a, a, a they forced a bad punt by Tyler Newsom that gave them a short field. Uh, they had a, a, a re- recovered a fumble by Notre Dame to set up another score in a game they won by two. And so that's, yes, to beat a good team, you need help from the other side of the ball, in my opinion, more often than not. So, uh, yeah, but look, the quarterback's got to play better, right? Because Syracuse is not Clemson. They're a good football team, but they're not Clemson. Mike Reddy said, you've mentioned that in the, in 2015, the Clemson-Notre Dame game, Notre Dame game sent each team in opposite directions. Could we see the same thing this week with a Notre Dame win? I would say no, because I think, number one, I think Dabo's a better coach than Brian Kelly. Number two, I think that program is on much stronger ground than the Notre Dame team was in 2015. So I don't think so, but I think what it would signify, Mike, to your which is also kind of to your point, I think it would be kind of an indication that Clemson is officially not the program that they were. Will they collapse the way Notre Dame did in 2016? No, I don't see that. Number one, that Notre Dame team in 2015, as talented as they were, the only ranked team they beat all year was Navy. Clemson already has three wins over ranked teams. So it's a different situation and it's better coaching. It's a better infrastructure, but I think it would signify that, that the era of Clemson being a national powerhouse and Ryan, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this as well. I do think Notre Dame beating Clemson would most likely signify that the era of Clemson being an official power or a a major power, like they were a national title contender is over. I do because I I already think they're kind of there you know with last year they've been good this year but not great the ACC gaining on them I think if Notre Dame beats them and it'd be the second time in three games that Notre Dame would have beat them then I think that that signifies I mean honestly I would say that Notre Dame is the preeminent power in the ACC I mean let's let's not forget that the only team in the ACC that's really beat Notre Dame in the last how however many years is Clemson that's it I mean they they haven't lost a they haven't lost to Florida State, right? I mean, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think. I can't remember the last time Notre Dame lost to an ACC team that's not named Clemson. You know, they didn't lose to any ACC teams last year. They didn't lose to any ACC. The, the, the only ACC team they lost to in 2020 was, was Clemson. In 2019, they didn't lose to an ACC team. They lost to Michigan and Georgia. In 2018, the only game they lost, period, was to Clemson. 2017 Miami back in 2017 that's the last time Notre Dame lost an ACC team now keep in mind Notre Dame plays at least five ACC games a year so uh yeah it would kind of mean that Notre Dame is the best team in the ACC without actually being in the ACC uh but I do think it would signify that I could be wrong and I think a, a win over Notre Dame also a win over Notre Dame for Clemson would sort of be that uh that moment of hey you know, we may not be what we were with Trevor Lawrence, but we're back to being a team that you got to worry about you know, in the postseason. I do think it would mean that. Derek Hart with a question. Derek asked, do you think the scan offense keeps the O-line down too long and creates false starts? No, I don't think that's what creates the false starts. I I think the false starts come because you are running the clock way down and they see the clock and they know it's getting to that point in time. And then the issue on Saturday was just, uh, I think, was just more of a, crowd noise and just not being locked in I think is really what that was more about and I think they only had one I had one false start I believe from an offensive lineman on Saturday
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals
1: All right, get some more of these questions. Dan Muller, do you think Notre Dame will take more one on one shots deep to try and keep the eight out of the box? Cough lots of Tobias. Tobias, Mayer, Dion Colsey, Braden Lindsay on some different concepts. Like I would, I would do some play action shots where I would almost run like a, you know, like I would, I would take Mayer and just kind of run him like right down the field on like a 45 degree angle right past the safety and then kind of motion Braden Lindsay down and then just have him run a climb. Underneath it, you know, things like that, where you know, off play action or or different concepts. I I think there's got to be some different shots. uh So one on ones, to your point, yeah, I think they need to. Do I think they will? I've given up trying to figure out what this Notre Dame offense is going to do schematically. I mean, it makes no sense. So I've, I'm when I tell you guys what needs to happen, it's not a prediction of what will happen. It's of what needs to happen. I have no clue what Tommy Reese is going to do at this point in time. None. John Leahy asked, "Brian Mason has done a great job at Notre Dame. Uh, what would be the next step in his career? Moving a position coach, or could he go straight to OC? I mean, he's coached defense in the past as well. Uh, he is. I mean, a, moving to a position coach would be a a to me it would be a downgrade for him. I mean, he's the coordinator of the special teams. I I think if he, his next career path is being a head coach somewhere, I would imagine. So I don't I don't think that it." Uh, no, I, I think the next step in his career is to continue being a great special teams coach. Corey D. Brandon, in contrast with Kelly Air, do you think some of the young, talented players, Colsey, Meriwether, Prince Collie, play significant minutes? I mean, they they kind of already starting to get there. Um, I mean, I still don't think the offense has played them enough. Defensively, we're seeing that, right? I mean, we're seeing... You know, Prince Colley's a true sophomore that's playing a ton. Gabriel Rubio Rubio's a true sophomore that's playing a lot more football. Benjamin Morrison's a starter is a true freshman. Jaden Mickey plays a lot as a true freshman. So defensively, we're already seeing that. I think offensively, it's still an issue, to be honest with you, uh, that they're not playing more of the freshmen, but I mean, a lot of the guys that they're starting on offense are sophomores. I mean, both of their tackles are true sophomores. Their top two backs right now are true sophomores. They're leading wide receivers, a true sophomore, uh, but that's more out of necessity. I mean, if you don't play a sophomore receiver, what else you got? I mean, if, if you don't play a freshman or a sophomore receiver, you don't have really anybody else. Uh, Beefeater asks, uh, Brian, do you think DJ throws for another 430, 439 yards like he did in 2020? No, I don't. Uh, Brett Lott, should DJ struggle? Does Klubnik create more problems for him defensively? I don't think so. Not yet. He will next year when he's a starter next year, but not this year. No, he's a freshman. He's 185 pound freshman. He'll make some plays, but Notre Dame will make some plays against him as well. So, uh, I mean, if, if they've got to make that move, that's a great sign for Notre Dame. Great sign for Notre Dame. Irish blooded ass. If you're scheming against Notre Dame, how often would you double cover or triple cover Michael Mayer? Since obviously you, you would never single cover him. You'd be surprised how many times teams are single covering him. It's, it's, Like Ryan and I were asking at at the game, it's like there was that long pass late in the first half, and it's like, why are you single covering Michael Mayer right now? And then guess what happens? Bam, 37-yard gain, right? I would double cover him constantly because the quarterback's still going to throw to him anyway, at least he has up to this point in time. Look, if I'm a defensive coach, it it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, make someone other than 87 beat you in the pass game. I mean, just it's not that complicated because Notre Dame allows it to not be complicated. <clears throat> A-Bit Notre-ND, any chance we see Tommy call a draw on third down when the defense drops eight? I'd settle for an angle route out of the backfield at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, you mean like, I don't know, a draw or a mid-zone play like we saw from from Syracuse last week that went for first down or you know, a draw on third and 17 that goes for first down? I think those things only work against the Notre Dame defense. Uh, Sure. I mean, if the, if the look calls for it, I don't, I don't know if that's a great call against Clemson though, because they're still going to be in four down and their D linemen are pretty good at block destruction that they can get off that kind of play. I, I, you know, angle routes are good. I think screens are are not bad at all against them. I, I think there's some shots. There's some seam holes you can find in the seams on third and eight, the way that they cover that also could work. And there's some downfield high, low concepts that could work against Clemson. They're not a great pass coverage defense, Talent-wise or schematically, I think there's – if the quarterback plays well, there's some stuff to be had there. There's no question. All right, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get to all these questions, but I'm going to really try here. Milton Fan, 15. Brian, what are uh, – let's see here. Brian, what are some good ways to use Mayer as a decoy to get open? I mean, do the stuff you're doing with him now. Just call routes behind it. You know, we saw an example of it against – against uh, a good example of it against Stanford. Where they they got they were at 12 personnel, they were kind of in a three by one. Mayor was attached, Stanford was in a single high. They basically had Michael Mayer run right across the face of the safety, and that opened up a one-on-one post-route to to Tobias behind him. They tried to run that play again against Syracuse, and 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 it was there, but there was the false start, and they never really went back to it, which is another puzzling thing. Is pass run game wise, Tom Reese just runs the same thing over and over and over again. Pass game wise, they they don't. They 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 don't go back to stuff that was there enough in my opinion. Like they ran a comeback early in the game, and then do, didn't do it again until late, in, and it was a third down late in the game. They could have hit Deion Cole. could have had nine catches on Saturday. I mean that 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 comeback route was there all game long, and then you could have countered with something where you could have run a stutter go or something like that once they tried to bite it. But you know that's that's the issue. Shamrocker says, Did we ever find out what the deal was with Braden Lindsay? Marcus Freeman basically just said he missed too much time in practice because he was because he was uh sick. And that was what he had said the problem was. Jim Halloran says, Brian, my concern on defense is maintaining rush lanes while trying to get pressure. They have been hurt by quarterback escaping. What say you? Yeah, it's a problem, Jim. It's there's been times um, you know, where, where you will see this team do things like that very effectively. You know, after the first drive against North Carolina, they did a great job of getting pressure and maintaining uh, gap integrity on pass rushes. It's just about, Jim, it's just about execution. You know, DJ is a big kid. He is hard to bring down from a size standpoint. He's not the athlete that some of the other quarterbacks that they've played. He's not the athlete of the kids they even faced last week, but he can hurt you if you don't, if you're not, if you don't have gap integrity. So, yeah, that's... Yeah, we are not Marshall, <clears throat> Brian. In your biz- as your as your business and platform grows, do you have an opportunity to use another stream service? I'd like to get there at some point. Uh, I've contemplated moving away from YouTube. Uh, we're just there's just not a an option that I'm comfortable with enough yet uh, to do that. I think if I were going to do that, I and also like that those platforms aren't as compatible with Streamyard, which is what we use. Uh, at this point in time, unless you're referring to StreamYard, but the reason we go to StreamYard is it's, it's simplification. There's a lot of other, there's, there are other companies like StreamYard, if you're referring to StreamYard that that are there, but it's just, it's a lot more expensive and it's a lot more complicated and it takes a lot more work. And I just don't have the time to do all of that. But, you know, could we eventually go to something a little bit more technical if, you know, we really, really grow and I can hire someone to be a producer. Sure. It's an option, but we're pretty far away from that right now. Milton Fan says, Brian, how the heck did Oklahoma State get shut out by Kansas State? Look, and this is a question that I have about Clemson this week. So I picked Kansas State to beat Oklahoma State last week. I thought it would be a higher scoring game. But one thing that I said in that game, and it's not to act like I predicted a shutout, I didn't. But there was one thing I said is the reason I went with Kansas State is because Oklahoma State had played good game after good game after good game after good game and had to exert a lot of energy into those games. And you know, the thing for me is like I just felt they were gonna hit a wall. You know, I mean look at the stretch they had. They had Baylor, Texas Tech, TCU, Texas. And then you got to go to Kansas State and then two of their previous four games on the road. They had to play at Baylor and TCU. Then they had to go on the road to to Kansas State. I just think they hit a wall. They just were gassed. They just they played really hard the last two games they had to come from behind against Texas and come from behind you know they had to they had to to hold off a, a rally from TCU. They had to come from behind against Texas Tech. They just exerted a lot of energy. And then I think Clemson's in a similar situation. But what helps Clemson that that Oklahoma State didn't have is Clemson has a bye week to help recover, which should help them be to avoid some of the pitfall that we saw from from them. Let's get to some more questions here. We have Jeremy Welling. If we lose and it is primarily due to poor quarterback play, do we give Angeli a shot to start at Navy? I I, I don't know, man. Like. What makes you think Steve Angeli is going to be better? He's he's coached by the same person. So what makes you think Steve Angeli is going to be better? Right? And here's the reality of it. If you go to Steve Angeli, you're going to lose Drew Pine. That's just the reality of it. And what if Steve gets hurt? What if Steve doesn't play well? You're going to go back to Drew Pine, who's got his confidence shook? I mean, I guess we'll address that if it comes. We'll address it if it comes. But at some point in time, can Drew Pine play bad enough to have to put Steve Angeli in the game? Yeah. But that doesn't mean that all of a sudden anything's going to change. I mean it, it yeah. I don't I don't I don't want to put Steve Angeli in that position. Right? I mean that's just not something I feel comfortable putting him in. Ryan B says how good is the Clem- is the online Clemson has? It's solid. I mean it's big, it's long, it's solid, it's not great. It's a it's a solid line. I think the right tackle is going to eventually be a really good run blocker. He's already their best run blocker, in my opinion. Jordan McFadden has never become the player I thought he could be after his first year in the rotation. He's he's not you know he's short, but he's got some length. He's just not he's not as athletic as as I thought he would become. You know, Will Putnam's a nice tough player. Uh, he's solid. You know, Walker Parks is okay. You know, I mean they're good. They're not great. Uh, they're coached well. I mean, they're they're coached relatively well. They're just not as physical as they should be, in my opinion. But, you know, I look, there's a couple guys that I think if Notre Dame is able to to have a really good plan that I think they can go after. I think they gotta go after, they gotta go after the right tackle. Uh, right. Well, I mean, uh, Blake Miller, he's given up eleven pressures this year, and they've got to go after Walker Park. So I think and and those are your that's the right side of your line. Uh, no, actually, hold on a second. Now, hold on. Let me think about this. I think that Walker Parks, I think, is – yeah, that's the right side of your line. Those guys have given up 25 pressures this year, just those two, compared to Notre Dame, whose entire team has given up 35 pressures this year. So I think that's the side you 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 do things with. I think Clemson actually does a decent job of technically handling twists and stunts. They pass that stuff off real well, but they're, that's when they get in trouble – is when you do things like for me, what what I would do if I was Notre Dame is not so much twist and stunt, but but like I said, slant and slam. And so you have your your defensive linemen slanting, which causes them to turn and then bring your speedy linebackers that way because they do a good job technically of picking those up, but they're not super fluid guys, and speed can beat them on the outside. So that's something I would like to I would like to see. Potatoes O'Brien, they will not be able to move this D-line. Average uh, that about 295, far different from the Qs. I don't I, – I mean, I, I think that you're going too far in the opposite direction. Uh, can they – Yeah. look, they moved BYU, and BYU is really big. This is a better defensive line. Do I, think, do I think Notre Dame can just line up and run the same offense they did last week? No. Do I think if Notre Dame has the proper game plan and uses formations correctly and, and they play well, that they can win the battles up front? Yes, I do. I'm not necessarily predicting it, but it's certainly possible. I don't think you're giving the Notre Dame offensive linemen a lot of credit. They average 295, but they only have two guys in the defensive line starting lineup that weigh more than 295. That's I don't like those average things because if you got two, 300 pounders up the middle and your two ends are 255, which at times it will be, you don't have 295 across the board. You have 295 in the middle and then you got 255 in the edge. So, uh, but it's not always about just moving them. It's about, you're creating run lanes is about getting pins it's about you know pinning the guy inside and, and getting guys around on the counters and open up run lanes that way but i think they can it's just they're not gonna be able to do it snap after snap after snap like they did last week corey d asked Brian in your opinion in my opinion justin a and riley mills have underperformed do you agree not even close i don't even i don't agree with that at all especially riley mills i i, I if if you're not happy with what riley mills has done I, I don't know what you were expecting. I have no idea. I thought he was really good last week. He was one of their best defensive linemen against Stanford. He had a huge sack, played really well against North Carolina, thought he was good against BYU. I, I really don't get it. I don't understand what Notre Dame fans are – because I you're not the only person that said this. I've had other people – You know, talk about oh, Riley Mills hasn't played well. I I don't know if you're obsessed with stacks and that's all you look at. I I really don't have a clue what you're what you're looking for. I think Riley Mills has been a pretty good football player this year. I really do. Has he been a star? No, he hasn't been a star. He's been a good football player. Um, You know, so so I really I really don't know what it is. I think Kit's been a pretty good football player this year. If you look, and, and I'll say this, Ryan and I have talked about this. NFL teams are very intrigued by what they see from Riley Mills, but. You know, I I really I don't understand it. I watch this kid play every week, and I'm like, hey, he played a pretty good football game. And I mean, if you're someone who cares about pro football, focus is data. You know, acqu- you know data numbers, and I don't like them from a grade standpoint. So I don't really care that he's their fourth highest ranked guy there. But I mean, he's tied for second on the team in pat pressures. And and according to Pro Football Focus, he's second on the team in sacks. Again, the one thing I think they're good at is is data collection right i think they do a pretty good job there and and riley's there justin just like from a normal ncaa statistics has five set sa- or actually no i'm sorry uh riley is tied with second with jason with with four uh, two and a half sacks justin has two sacks so he's not far off of his pace last year i think he's made some key plays in at different times so no i mean his sack numbers aren't what they were last year but he's playing well Uh I I just, I don't know what people are looking for. I really don't. The the defensive line has played pretty well this year. Uh, So I don't, I don't, I I honestly couldn't tell you, Corey, what, what the disconnect is. I, I really don't know what that is, but I think, I think Riley Mills has been a pretty good football player this year. I really do. So, and Notre Dame's only two sacks off of their pace from last year. If you look at their numbers, I mean, last year was the most sacks they had in the season in several decades. And, they're on pace right now for 39, and that would still be the. I mean, if you if they end up with what they're on pace for now, that's still more sacks than any team, any defense that they've had in 20 years, uh, except for last year's defense. So I think Riley's been good this year. It's been again, it's been star. No, it's been pretty good. Yeah. Milton fan, 15. Brian, who from your staff would be the most fun to watch lined up head to head with Joe Alt and Blake Fisher? Who would you put up? The, who would put up the best fight? Probably Ryan. I mean, Sean and I are—we're pretty old dudes, man. We're both in our forties. You know, Ryan is still young. He was a defensive player. Uh, all of us would get destroyed, right? I mean, that's just a fact. But I would—I would probably go with Ryan on that one, just because he's young. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I can like you know go hire some former Notre Dame player to, to line up against that. If you guys could see what Ryan's doing down in the uh, down there. you you'd, you'd be laughing right now. Nolan Sanchez, can the corners make good covered sacks when the D-line can't get home? And can the O-line get a push? That's what I'm looking for. Yes and yes. Can they? Yes. Will they? I don't know. I'm not a psychic. As I've said before, if I knew exactly what was going to happen, I would be a lot richer than I am now, and I would probably be doing some different things with my time. I would be still doing this, but I would be doing other things. I, you know, I'd hire more people, all that kind of stuff. Can they? Yes. Will they? I don't know. Andrew Rhodes, do you think that next season their name should hire a quarterback's coach and have Tommy focus on being an OC if he is with the team next season? I mean, Tommy Reese isn't gonna want to give up coaching quarterbacks. I I you know. And and here's the thing, who are you gonna get rid of? You can't just hire a quarterback's coach and you gotta get rid of somebody. Because if you're gonna have Tommy Reese on staff just being a coordinator or coaching another position, who are you gonna fire? I mean, who who you gonna fire? I think the rest of the offensive coaches in their name are doing a pretty darn good job this year. You have to fire something. You're going to fire Brian Mason as your special teams coach. So and get an extra position coach. That'd be dumb. So I mean, you got to fire somebody. You can only have 10 assistant coaches. So, you know, you're going to have to figure something else out. Uh, so, I mean, anyway, we'll see. Robert Bishop, the backup quarterback for Syracuse is really good. Why is the kid, that kid, not the starter? He was, he made some plays, but that kid also made some big mistakes in that game. Right. You know, why is he not... Look, I'll say this. We, we see this all the time. NFL's made a living doing this. I could name you... I could spend the next 20 minutes just naming guys that came in for a game or a couple games in the NFL and did well and then got big contracts and stunk. Uh, it's a lot easier to come off the bench when there's no pressure and the other team has a game plan for you to then look good for two quarters. But when that kid needed to make some plays late, couldn't make them. He had some missed opportunities. I mean, he should have thrown another pick. I mean, he just mean, Brandon Joseph baited him into that goal route, picked him off, and he should that should have been his second interception of the game. Garrett Schrader is also really banged up. So Garrett Schrader is their starting quarterback, and if healthy, he should be their starting quarterback. Does that kid have a chance to be a good player down the road? Sure. Uh, but Garrett Schrader was having a pretty good year coming into that game. So, um, you know, clearly that kid, I mean, he's, he's a young kid. He's, I think, first in the system. He was at Florida last year, and he's going to need time to develop. Yakov 22. I enjoy your analysis. Thank you. Uh, is that a question? Are you questioning if you enjoy our analysis? Uh, I hope, hope not. Does Notre Dame allow you to view the coach's film in the all 22? Notre, Notre Dame does not allow me to do that, but I do have access to it uh, through other means, but no, no, the Notre Dame coaches don't allow me to do that. I wish they would. Keith Wiegand, Brian, do you think it would be better if Reese would be on the sidelines calling plays so he can communicate with Pine? That last thing I want Tommy Reese to do is be in, in, in Drew Pine's face after every snap. No, I do not want him on the sidelines. I want him where he is comfortable in the booth, where if Drew doesn't want to talk to him, he doesn't have to pick up the phone. <laughs> okay. Whereas when you know, look, the last thing as a quarterback when I played, I wanted is as soon as I get the sidelines, somebody's in my face talking to me, and that's how Tommy would be. That's his personality. Uh, so no, I would not want that. I, I would not be a good idea for me. B feeder, Brian. If we smoke USC this year, do you think Lincoln Riley tries to stop playing Notre Dame every year? No. I don't think so. I think if if Lincoln Riley doesn't think he can win at USC, he'll just go somewhere else. But no, I don't think USC will try to stop playing Notre Dame. And it's not Lincoln Riley's call. I mean, the head coach has nothing to do with who they play. It's the athletic director's call. Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you for the super chat, sir. Uh, Brian, I know Brady Quinn and Pine are tight. Do you think Brady has tried to mentor him not to always look for mayor. I love having mayor, but the game plan with Drew is obvious. Thanks, Coach. Uh, love IB. Thank you for the kind words and the super chat. I would hope not. Honestly, uh, I'm not a big fan of outside people talking to my players during the season. You know, off season that's fine, but during the season it's like you can't have him giving him. You can't have him giving Pine contradictory information that that Tommy Reese is giving him, as much as we may want him to. And, and he can't spend the time breaking down the opponent's film and doing all those kind of things that he would if he was still playing or if he was coaching. So I think the, I think the ways that that Brady Quinn can mentor Drew Pine during the season is just the adversity, handling adversity. Hey, man, you know, with the attitude, don't worry about it. Keep battling. You're going to be fine. You got this. I think those are the things that Brady Quinn could and should do. I don't want him telling him who to read or what to look for. That's up to Tommy Reese. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what Brady Quinn says. It matters what Tom Reese calls. Now, I think this is the last question here that we're going to get to from Kevin Marzalek. Brian, what do we need to do to fix the defensive red zone issues, have a better nasty streak of opponent score, have a pretty nasty streak of opponent scoring TDs down there recently? Yeah, Notre Dame has allowed 20 red zone trips this year. Opponents have scored on all 20 of them, and 17 of them have ended in touchdowns. It's bad. I think it comes down to a couple things. I think, number one, um, execution is an issue. Number two, I think that sometimes they have – well, I mean, really, execution is the biggest one for me. And they had a fourth down call against North Carolina, and Tariq Bracey just overplayed it. You know, I mean, you've got a blown coverage by – not blown coverage, but a poor coverage call and technique conversation that you had Benjamin Morrison to give up that touchdown. It's just about executing, and, and I think the, the defensive line's got to make a couple more plays in the backfield. I think that's really what it boils down to for me uh, is just you got to execute better. I think the plan can always improve, right? I mean, maybe you bring more pressures. Maybe you do things where you don't give the quarterback time to throw, whatever, uh, but I think those are the primary things for me is just to execute better. All right, that's going to do it for me, everybody. I appreciate you being in the show today. I appreciate your patience with Uh, our technical issues and and Ryan not being on for the rest of the show, but uh, I think things went pretty well. Uh, So anyway, we're going to be back tonight. So you're going to have Vince, Sean, and Jesse are all going to be on the IB nation sports talk show at six o'clock. And I'm going to check right now, the time period for the college football playoff show tonight, because we are going to go live at the end of the college football playoff show Even if Notre Dame is not in the top 25, we're still going to go live because it's college football and it's fun and and you're going to have several Notre Dame opponents. They're going to be in it. We'll talk about that. The show is going to looks like it's going to go from seven to eight is when the show is going to is going to be on from tonight. So uh, we will probably go live sometime between 730 and eight just depends on. Uh, when they're done, I would say probably 8 o'clock. Let's just plan on 8 o'clock so that way the 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 Ivy the Nation sports talk show can get done. We'll go live tonight at 8 o'clock. We'll talk about the top 25, what we see, what we think. If Notre Dame is in it, what that means for Notre Dame. If they're not in it, what that means for them the rest of the way. How can they get in? How can they have an impact in this? Because here's the thing. Notre Dame's is not going to be a college football playoff team. I mean, I, I don't even think there's enough craziness that could happen to get them in the college football playoff. Nor should they be. You lost to Marshall and Stanford at home. You shouldn't be a college football playoff I don't care what happens everywhere else. However, with USC and Clemson still in their schedule, Notre Dame can have a big impact on who is in the college football playoff. And that's something that obviously we can discuss tonight. So we'll have that 8 o'clock. So 6 o'clock, Ivy Nation Sports Talk. 8 o'clock will be uh, uh, Ice Breakdown talking about the college football playoff. So we will see you all then. Thank you for joining us. Again, hit that like button, everybody. Hit that subscribe button hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at irishbreakdown.com, and check us out, obviously our site out at irishbreakdown.com, of course. And as always, come back and join us again. And thank you all so much for being with us today on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.